it's really getting to the point where just every episode we record in 2020, this hellscape of a year, I feel like I should just put that big warning alarm sound at the beginning of, even if we don't have breaking news or an update or something to fill you in on that happened after we record, because it seems like an inevitability. Anyway, hi, Mike One, again, from the editing bay, again. Uh, when I started editing this episode, I had another uh, surprise that we had to tell you guys right off the start and start this episode with, again. So <laughs> maybe there's no more appropriate episode in MMO for us to have this kind of mistake on, considering that we don't know much about the uh, television landscape anyway, but... That being said, you're going to hear I'm going to sound awfully funky in this episode, and that's because, for whatever reason, technology lied to me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm bitter because I'm going to sound weird, but anyway, the microphone setup that I have, it said it was working. I mic texted it before I called Mike and got on the phone with him, uh, and it said it was recording the whole time. Mike kept insisting there was audio problems. You're going to hear us refer to it a couple times within the episode that there was audio problems. And and that's because, for whatever reason, this mic that I'm speaking into right now that I sound clearly on, or at least more clearly than I will in a bit, just didn't work. And the mic that decided to work whenever I hit record uh, was the mic on my laptop. So I'm going to sound like I'm talking pretty much in the room with someone or down the hallway but you'll be able to hear it. I did my best to edit around it uh, and to make things as presentable as possible, but just wanted to give you guys fair warning and so you won't be so shocked. We know there was audio issues within this one. We couldn't figure out why, and it turns out the answer to why is that this mic just didn't want to work and pick up the sounds, even though it told me it was doing so before we recorded, because 2020 is just the gift that keeps on giving in so many ways. So our apologies uh, that you guys have to deal with those technical issues throughout this episode. Uh, we got to the bottom of them. We figured them out. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case until after uh, the episode had been recorded and in the can. So I did my best to edit around it. If it sounds a little funky and a little janky, that is the explanation as to why. But again, considering we're talking about Emmy nominations, it's probably all too fitting that I come off sounding uh, uh, like not a professional, which I think is par for the course. Hopefully it's the last time something like that will happen. Technology, man. Gotta love it. But anyway, we appreciate you bearing with us for this episode. Uh, hope we, we provide some laughs and some entertainment for you along the way. Regardless, uh, thank you again and apologies again, again, again. Mike, Mike and Emmy coming at you right now. <laughs> And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. But I guess not Mike, Mike, and Oscar today because we're kind of doing Mike, Mike, and Emmy, which is our, I get, it's kind of our, our little cousin or like our third cousin twice removed series. We keep bringing it up in passing even though it's not an official part of this lexicon and this franchise that we do. But it'll rear its head every once in a while and we do address it. I am your co-host Mike One. To tell you more about what I'm talking about in layman's term and in English, here's co-host also Mike. Yeah, we know Oscar. We know his strengths, mm -hmm. his weaknesses. Mm -hmm. We know every curve of his naked body. <laughs> but we freely admit we don't understand Emmy in the same way uh, we understand Oscar. And uh, Emmy is much better off 
for this because of how I just described it. So this is going to be an off-the-cuff, raw reaction show today to the Emmy nominations. We don't know what the hell we're talking about, but it's going to be fun, I think... I hope we're going to say some stupid things. So if if there's technicalities involved, please get at us. uh, If that helps you cope with this quarantine, we will be the, uh, you know, the subject of your rage uh, as usual. uh, We we usually fill that role quite well. And I think also this is kind of an underrated uh, way of us pushing for the, for the Emmys to actually have a naked man be their statue, which is really all we want for any of the major award shows. So you're on to us and Mike might've given away the game, but the Emmy nominations, as we record this July 28th did come out this morning, uh, early on the West coast for La La Land and a little bit uh, mid morning here for us East coasters. Leslie Jones was the one who made the uh, nomination announcements along Alongside Laverne Cox, Josh Gad, and Alia Shawcott, they did a combination of people from their homes. Uh, Leslie Jones in this kind of technological stage, the green screen type stage. She seemed like she was live somewhere. Uh, I know Josh Gad was uh, calling in from his house, looked like it was a Zoom call. But we will go through the categories, uh, and we will reveal the nominations for every Emmy's category. I have not seen these yet. Mike just kind of put the doc together from the nominations as they were announced. So this is going to be my real-time reactions to them. Because quarantine has gone on so long, Mike and I have had more time to dive into at least watching these series. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're a little more familiar with them this year than we would have been other years. So that's why the justification for, well, we might as well at least give our two cents and weigh in on it. And at least we have some actual awards news to focus on today and comment on. So that's where we will start off. The first Emmys category, Best Actor in a Comedy Series, Michael, who are the nominees? Anthony Anderson from Blackish. He's in all those commercials with his mother. That's, uh, that's hilarious. I haven't good, seen yes. Blackish yet. I, I got to get on that. Don Cheadle from Black Monday, and I did see this, and he's, he's awesome, and he's got some great wig game in that, Michael. Mm-hmm. Ted Danson in The Good Place. I've seen him in Curb Your Enthusiasm. I didn't see him in The Good Place. You have to get on that. I, yeah, you keep telling me, but don't I got to watch like 17 seasons? Well, I think it's four, but yeah. 17, four. <laughs> Michael Douglas in the Kaminsky Method. For some bizarre reason, I watched this show. And he is very old, but he's kind of funny. And uh, <laughs> I give him credit. Eugene Levy from Shit's Creek, which is one of the best titles of a comedy series in a long time. I love that that's their name, I think. I only watched the pilot episode. I got to get on this one, too. This is like Christopher Guest, Kathleen O'Hara, yes. people. Oh, my God. I got to got to get on that. And Rami Youssef from Rami. I, it's on Hulu. I just haven't watched it yet, Michael. Yeah, and Mahershala Ali is, is, I guess, a big character in the Rami series, which I didn't realize as well. Uh, he was the surprise Golden Globe winner when we were covering the Globes this past January. Uh, and he got on stage and gave a very charming acceptance speech. We have an ABC. We have a Showtime and Black Monday. We have an NBC. Uh, I don't know where the Kaminsky Method is, Mike. Is it Netflix? Netflix. Uh, and no HBO here, right? That, that was the big yeah. surprise. Larry David was the snub, according to Mr. Feinberg there, the man we worship and adore for all Uh things awards season news. He just put out his last forecast, and he had Larry David up there. But I wonder if everybody just wanted to punch Larry David, the character (laughs) and the the person, unfortunately, so hard after that last season because he was such an ass. 
That's the biggest differentiation between how you and I digest comedy because you were so outraged by that last season of Curb and you just hated Larry David so much. And I was gleefully clapping along like the family and the nutty professor at the dinner table. I felt like a letter jacket wearing bully in a 1980s movie. The things I wanted to do to Larry David. I wanted to stuff his ass in a locker. I was so mad at him. He was just, you know, continually just infuriating in that particular season. And I watched, you know, I watched, I rewatched the whole series uh, during the beginning of yes. quarantine, like a lunatic. But uh, Don Cheadle gets in, kind of happy about that. He's got some great wig game early on in that series. I've heard nothing but good things about Black Monday either. A lot He's of funny. people outside of you have told me I need to watch that and then I would die laughing at it. It's like Veep. I mean, they're talking the most horrendous shit in that show so if you like like wall street just idiots talking trash i mean that is the show so it's it's really funny in that regard so how is ted danson in the good place he's very good we talked about last year how bill Hader won this category and barry was in there and maybe because barry didn't have a new season that's where this spot opened up i wonder how much of ted danson got in here because it was the good places last year i wonder how furious ted danson is that schitt's creek decided to end the same year as the good place because i would think between Eugene Levy and Ted Danson, the one that's going to get the bump from like being celebrated for a great run of this critically acclaimed series is going to be Eugene Levy, unless the, the people that vote are trying to make a point to bring broadcast television back to the mainstream and back to relevancy. Yeah, I don't know. Rami Youssef won the Golden Globe. That was, uh, that was the mm-hmm. second... T- yeah, that was the last major TV award show, I think. Well, then again, we're not paying attention to these precursors as much as other people. But, yeah, he beat Bill Hader over there, which is shocking, I guess. So, yeah, it could be Silver Fox versus Giant Eyebrows. (laughs) I'll just let that be the teaser for the category going forward and just uh, promise to never do this full time as a TV critic. (laughs) Best actress in a comedy series, Christina Applegate from Dead to Me, Rachel Brosnahan from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Linda Carter. Cardellini from Dead to Me, Catherine O'Hara from Schitt's Creek, Issa Rae from Insecure gets in, and rounding out the category, we have another Blackish nominee, Tracy Ellis Ross. So that's really cool that uh, Issa Rae, Tracy Ellis Ross, Catherine O'Hara, I mean, uh, some of my favorite actresses, yeah. Linda Cardellini. Brosnahan won it a couple years ago, I think. Last year, Phoebe Waller Bridge took everything. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if this is much more wide open, but like you said, Catherine O'Hara. You know, maybe she sneaks in for that last season of uh, Shit's Creek. I would think it's Brosnahan's category again, unless like an Issa Rae or Catherine O'Hara upsets her. These categories, the female comedy categories, seem to, at least in my knowledge from us covering this and like paying attention to the TV categories as we do, they seem to have been dominated by either Fleabag or Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And if it's not one, it's the other, back and forth, back and forth. It's almost like how Game of Thrones was before this last season, which we're inevitably going to talk about later on in this episode. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. I think, at least based on recent precedent, it's got to be Rachel Brosnahan's category to lose. We say that, I say that having not watched any of the episodes. Did you watch the most recent Mrs. Maisel season? Oh, it's so good. It's one yeah. of the best shows in a long time, so I absolutely love it. Uh, I understand why she lost to Phoebe Waller-Bridge last year. I wonder if there's like a quarantine bump anywhere for a show like Dead to Me or Shit's Creek right. on Netflix that everybody's watching. Like Dead to Me is so watchable and Leslie Jones was going nuts that she watched the show during the broadcast. It's such a bingeable show and and there's 
those performances are showcased. They're probably going to cannibalize each other here right. because Applegate and Cardellini are both in, and we'll see that a couple more times down the card. But uh, I wonder if, if you know, we're going to have Brosnahan just kind of winning out because, you know, the other nominees are kind of close together. You said that the season of Dead to Me started kind of happy. You kind of were soured on it, but then you picked it back up and you finished it out anyway, and it kind of redeemed itself to you. Do you think that was a widespread opinion? Do you think other critics share that? No, because I am a a lunatic of a person and a very testy (laughs) TV watcher because it's not my bag. Mm -hmm. But I uh, I, I don't think I've gotten the chance to re-review Dead to Me. The last time I reviewed Dead to Me, I said Dead to Me was Dead to Me. And and now... uh, Months later, or a month later? How long is this quarantine going? Time has no ending. It doesn't matter anymore. You know, we were going to do it in our What We're Watching episode, but I picked Dead to Me back up, and there's some of the greatest moments in the last year of just, you know, storytelling in there. So I just loved a few moments. It's so ridiculous. They jump like 15 sharks. I don't care. I still love it. I hate watch it when it's bad. I watch it and, and love it when it's good. So, so I got to get on uh, Insecure, though. I, that's that's yeah. been on my list for a while. Yeah, that's a blind spot for both of us. We kind of get we got to bite the bullet and do that. And again, it's just a, it's one of those shows that I hear nothing but good things about. Okay, Gun to Your Head, Dead to Me. Those are the two in there. If you were the Academy, the Television Academy of One, who are you picking out of those two leads in Dead to Me? In Dead to Me, I would pick Cardellini. I think. Okay. Because I think she's a little more reserved. Applegate is going for it, though, like uh, morning show style. It's like hmm. she should be cast on the morning show season two just because she's willing to go there. And and only people who are willing to go there can be on the morning show because there is like to 11 the whole time, <laughs> never stopping. Episode one, going there. Uh, I, I enjoyed the morning show, though, but it's, oh, my God people are out there anyway that's my tv criticism terminology <laughs> you're nothing you're nothing if not consistent there also my uh, best variety talk series is the next category we have the daily show with trevor noah from comedy central full frontal with samantha b from tbs jimmy kimmel live of abc last week tonight with john oliver from hbo the late show with stephen colbert of cbs rounds out the category so I'm only familiar with Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. What are these other shows and where <laughs> in the entertainment space can you find them? I don't know. It's not on Netflix, Hulu, yeah, Amazon is, Prime. You've got to do a lot of searching on YouTube. This is more, I think, my category than yours because I, I do. Please. Um, I dabble in these uh, quite often. I would think Jimmy Kimmel is probably going... I'm surprised he even got nominated, quite frankly, just because of the recent controversy that he found himself in with his past actions from the Man Show and stuff like that. He kind of... There was a group out there trying to like call for his head online recently, so I'm surprised he snuck in. Uh, what is most glaring to me in this category is that neither NBC host got in, neither <laughs> Jimmy Fallon, which I didn't expect. I, I, I have a thing against Jimmy Fallon. It's personal bias. I understand that his show has a purpose and that he's trying to be more light and more viral videos and stuff like that. It's not for me, but I I get the appeal of it on a broader spectrum. And because it's such a broad spectrum, I'm a little surprised to not see him in. But Seth Meyers has done some of the most biting political commentary. I I would put him right up there with what Colbert does on a night-to-night basis and Samantha B as well. So I'm a little surprised to see neither NBC host get in there. And you could say the same about Conan, even though I know his show, especially in the last year, has undergone this kind of major transformation with how it's presented on TBS. So those are kind of my takes. Gun to my head, it has to come down to Colbert or John Oliver for me. 
Wow. So I think John Oliver's been winning lately, right, for most things? But Yes, uh, he has. And his, his, his staff gets the most drunk at the award shows, too. Oh, very good. And maybe that helps them. Maybe it's an Olivia Coleman effect. <laughs> How dare you? Anyway, I'm a Conan guy back when I was watching these shows on cable, and I had a remote control that, you know, was able to go up and down and had plus and minus on it, you know? I don't really use that anymore. I feel like these are all just insults at my watching habits, but Absolutely. Go ahead. Well, here's what I'm wondering. Are you like this dinosaur from the past where, you know, like our father's generation was, was like... Johnny Carson's going to put me to bed tonight, and he's going to put me to bed every evening. So you just do you say to yourself, well, tonight Samantha B is going to tuck me in, but tomorrow I think I yeah. need a little Stevie C. <laughs> how do you how do you do how do you pick? I do I do call him Stevie C uh, colloquially. I don't go to sleep with them, but I do pretty much every night at least take in. Uh, the monologue segments and their biggest commentary pieces. If there's a big political pundit, which is all the rage in late night talk show anymore because politics have just seeped their way into every aspect of life. Uh, and obviously with the pandemic and the downfall of the economy, et cetera, et cetera. So if there's somebody interesting uh, that they're interviewing, I will watch those segments as well. But no, I, I'm not that old. I don't have my warm glass of milk in my separate bed from my wife in the same bedroom with the TV antennas uh, that I have to adjust to get a clear picture. I'm not that bad yet. Although I did find a pair of rabbit ear antennas around the house, no lie, like last week. I'm not kidding about that. I just uncovered them. They were covered in dust. I have no idea how long they must have been there. Anyway, in an awkward edit here, I don't know the tone of voice I should take when I, when I come back in in these scenarios. But uh, if you've heard sounds that uh, Mike is farting and just ripping ass or whatever those sound like, it's true. He's doing yeah. that. No, it's an audio thing today. I don't know why our microphones are so sensitive but it's uh, it's definitely happening, and hopefully we can keep going without the uh, without these real sounds, or we can just start ripping them, yeah. and they won't know. <laughs> I'm so scared to even speak right now because I don't want my voice to come across and just sound like my like small small intestine <laughs> has taken everything over. It's it did again. It just did it again. I don't know if the people are hearing that. Anyway, uh, I have one final question for you, Trevor Noah. Does, does he still does the Daily Show still come on sooner than the rest? Or what's the timing of all this? Because I used to watch like John Stewart, then maybe a little, not really Leno, but I, I'd probably go to Letterman for a minute, and then I'd go to Conan, you know, and and later on I'd I'd go from Stewart to Conan pr- when I did watch Late Night, you know, ten fifteen years ago. What's the timing of all these? So it's the same. Uh as it always was historically the only uh, time shift I'm aware of that was going to happen is when NBC was going through its giant drama with Conan and Leno and they threatened to move the the Tonight Show with Conan to a 12 o'clock hour to appease Jay Leno because their ratings were in the shitter and blah 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 and Conan put his foot down and ended up about like 45 to 50 million dollars richer for it because NBC basically violated the contract Um, so with that said everything is still in this 10.30 to 11.30 time frame I think even Jimmy Kimmel is still at 11.30 and Trevor Noah still does sit at 11 o'clock I will say though in Trevor Noah's defense, he does more of the investigative and the in-depth commentary than Jon Stewart did. I think Jon Stewart made it more uh, under, easily understandable for regular people, and he made kind of these complex issues more easily digestible. I think Noah is more 
you have to be a little more scholarly and a little more studied because he goes maybe a layer or two deeper into the topics that he's discussing, which I, I appreciate, but I can understand if it gets him further a further niche audience than what John Stewart got him. But commendable, though, I guess. Yes, absolutely, a 100%. Well, let's move on to Best Actor in a Drama Series, with or without the fart noises. We have Jason Bateman from Ozark, and I'm going to ask you how good he is in that in a second. Sterling K. Brown is always good, uh, and of course he's in This Is Us. Steve Carell channeling Brick Tamlin in The Morning Show, and he's kind of loud, like Brick Tamlin, like I said. Brian Cox from Succession, Billy Porter from Pose, and Jeremy Strong also from Succession. What would you think of this? So, as far as my understanding goes for the Emmys, every drama category, for me, I think should come down between Succession and Ozark. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I know Billy Porter won this category in 2019. I wouldn't be... I have not seen Pose. Uh, I, I do want to get to it just because I'm fascinated by Billy Porter, and I know mm. he's kind of on the ascent, and his, I think his star has no bounds, and he's going to be a huge player in the industry for years and years to come. But I think I'd be surprised this year if it didn't if these dra- drama categories didn't kind of all go in line because everybody was obsessed with the second season of Succession. Everybody, a lot of people, I should say, probably less than were Succession, but a lot of people were obsessed with what the third season of Ozark brought to the forefront. Between Brian Cox and Jason Bateman, I think Cox may have the edge, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Bateman win out either. I thought he was spectacular. And in our, like, circles, Ozark was the show. I mean, it was the show that everybody was binging to the point where I hypocritically refused to do so. Because you're <laughs> usually the guy that goes against the populist pick, right? Yes. Especially the film Twitter pick. And yet here, you were just, like, glad-handing everyone uh, about Ozark. So I'm a man we, of the people, Michael. Yeah, apparently this time. <laughs> anyway, the big uh, snub here was Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul. Uh, the morning show's Carell was not supposed to get in based on forecasting by Feinberg's. So I think it's interesting to me that Steve Carell you know, gets this nod because that means people are watching Apple TV and they really love that uh, the morning show. So the Aniston win probably helps him a lot here. You've seen both the morning show and Succession. How do you think Carell Uh, stacks up to the two succession actors there in Cox and Strong. It's so different of a performance. Like, Steve Carell is acting in, like, this melodrama thing. Remember Broadcast News? I mean, he's he's like a character from that show, Mm -hmm. or that movie, rather. You know, he's, he's, you know, Holly Hunter-ish. I mean, it's just really in your face. These people are strung out. They're working too much. And obviously, he's getting, you know, an onslaught of media coverage for, for... everything he did wrong leading into the show. Jeremy Strong and Brian Cox, I mean, that's like a high-level HBO drama where it's, it's subtlety. It's very different. I wonder if Jeremy Strong and Brian Cox will, you know, cannibalize each other here and if that, you know, opens the door wide open for Billy Porter, you know, mm-hmm. coming off that recent win. Uh, but how, how good is Bateman? You watched all of Ozark. Is he that good in the series or is it more of a, a composition piece that's, the, you know, where you'd give the credit? He does so much that I wonder if that's if his actions are kind of going to cannibalize him. If he's going to get more credit as like a producer, if he's going to get more credit for the show, the episodes he directed, or if he's going to get more credit for the supporting work that he did rather than a lead. He's all over that show. He's very, very good. I wouldn't be surprised with a win, but I could also be talked into his performance or his 
I guess, thumbprint on the show being taken in a billion different ways that it kind of leaves him out in the cold. I have a question, Mike. Why are we so reluctant to dive into This Is Us? Because uh, it's on network TV for is me. Is that why? And I got to watch commercials? Is? No, it's because, like, the promos, like, during the sports shows and whatnot, just make it seem like such a heavy drama. It does. It so and, does. And here's my distrust of network heavy TV dramas. Like, I'll go to HBO for that. I'm a total snob these days. Right. I'll go for my streaming service. I'll go for my premium channels. But I won't go back to network TV for my one-hour TV dramas anymore. And plus, i got to watch commercials, so no. Yeah, I, 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 think, it's unfortunate. I, think, I think you hit the nail on the head is that we just don't trust NBC. And now, I mean, Sterling K. Brown, we have spoke in irreverent tones about him as I can't wait for his star to explode. He hasn't won this category since 2017, where he did win Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama. And he won also the Golden Globe in 2018 for the same year as well. I, I haven't heard much about This Is Us just in the zeitgeist and the circles that we go on in social media. So I think him winning this this year would surprise me, but it wouldn't surprise me because it's Sterling K. Brown. And he's amazing. But they've been there every year, right. and we're kind of jerks for not watching the show. Or, yeah. But it's an, but then again, it's another show that we got seasons, oodles and oodles of TV to catch up on. Right. Is it a 22-episode arc like old shows used to be on networks? I don't even know. It has to be, I would think. I mean, NBC, to my knowledge, is still doing that with their season. So. But you're right. It seems so heavy and so networky. Used to be West Wing and shows like that would win everything and mm -hmm. that's where we'd go to for our hour dramas on a sunday night but yeah no we're, we're out of the loop with uh, network television right now anyway mike best actress in a drama series so we have jennifer aniston from the morning show she does get nominated alongside everyone's favorite lead actress olivia coleman for the crown <laughs> and if you've listened to us for our movie coverage you know why i have that tone of voice despite the fact that i do love olivia coleman uh jody comer for killing eve laura linney for ozark sandra oh for killing eve and zendaya gets her first emmys nomination for her work in euphoria michael so olivia coleman won the golden globe and the drama Actress went to Jodie Comer at last year's Emmys. I think before that, we had Sandra Oh winning a Golden Globe, yep. right? When she hosted, she also won the Globe that night. Yep. So I would wonder if they're the big three. But then again, Jennifer Aniston won something. When did? Where did she win? TV awards just confused me. But she there, won there's the four. hearts and minds of all of us throughout the 90s, Michael. <laughs> there's four winners there, previous winners. I don't know about Laura Linney. I just have to ask you this. Like, you know, is there in this crowd someone to rival Glenn Close if Olivia Coleman wins and <laughs> drunkenly, drunkenly steals her thunder on awards night? No, right? I mean, not even close. Well, here's what I'll say. And I, I'm going to, I imagine, keep beating this drum. But Laura Linney was so despicably great in season three of Ozark <laughs> that I am a little attached. But that's not, I'm, I'm attached because that's the only show out of this category I have seen this year, too. So, so if Laura Linney's wearing a gold dress and we she come to find that win. she has never won an Emmy before... <laughs> That would make my life really happier. And then she loses to Olivia Coleman at the last second, which probably shouldn't be the case because Olivia Coleman in The Crown is not even close to how good she is in The Favorite, in my opinion. It's a much more subtle performance, and I don't go to the, for those subtle performances as often as I do for the big, loud performance, where if you can, you know, 
hit the notes, sing loud kind of deal in right. terms of how he describes his acting. And then he says, you know, a, Mar- a Marine Corps chant. Right. Catchphrase. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go, but I mean, there's some big names in here. There's some newcomers like Zendaya, and uh, I have no idea. I have no idea. Is Jennifer Aniston's role in the, the morning show getting so so much love across the board kind of surprises me because even though I hadn't seen it, the part of the reason I hadn't taken the dive in to watch it is because my understanding from it was it's a show. It's good. It's not great. And that's not just, I mean, that's kind of the assessment I got from you, but not only you, that seemed to be the well-regarded consensus. And so to see it being nominated all across these categories, especially in lieu of some snubs really does surprise me a little bit. So the thing about the morning shows, it's good enough to be nominated, I would say. And these performances are good enough to be nominated. It's also a kind of show that is a guilty pleasure in many ways. It's mm. very soap opera-y. So I don't know how much you go in for those or not. Like if you need humongous turn, you know, heel turns or, you know. I just, do. What do, they to- what do they call the other thing? <laughs> Face turns? face turns and heel turns i like i don't know you be, for being that guy who requires the good guy versus bad guy oh and, you're being sarcastic <laughs> i think you would love the show to be honest with you i think you would like it i have to get into it i want to watch euphoria as well just because i'm such a fan of zendaya and i know that was such a polarizing show oh. when the first people clutching their pearls teens do drugs on They're... my streets they were doing so many drugs in that first episode i couldn't go past it i was just like oh god i well, have to work with these kids like oh, yeah you can, i can understand you on a, being a high school coach on a day-to-day basis having issues with it absolutely i think that makes sense me as a miscreant and as a societal outcast who takes joy in as great schadenfreude and the failure of others i think that might be made for me uh let's talk about another category that might be made for me more so than you best competition oh, series we have the mass singer nailed it rupaul's drag race top chef and the voice same Michael. question as before mike <laughs> where can you find these and what the hell are they so i have a lot less expertise in these because let me tell you the uh the type of shows that i like mike the reality shows they ain't getting nominated at the emmys <laughs> Have they ever? Uh, I know Survivor's been nominated. I think it might have even had some wins. I, I think Big Brother's been nominated once or twice. I could be just spitting in the face of the stuff I love most. But no, they're not known for their success. Unlike something like RuPaul's Drag Race, which has, I think, 13 wins on its mm. resume. It seems to win every major TV award every time it's cast in one of these categories. And your shows, just the fact that they're all, you know, every character is in their underwear for the duration of their sh- the show it's bad it's it's a, it's going to be impossible for it to get nominated next year because they can't film it right now in a quarantine unless they're in a foreign country with no cases of corona would you like to know what big brother is doing to ramp up for their debut on august 5th because i can give you a full two-hour breakdown of the ins and outs of how julie chen and the cbs higher-ups are handling this cast because i've been god up to it. damn you <laughs> because you have been the number one troll about Everybody else not starting things back up during this quarantine. Everybody should be. You basically, according to you, everybody should be in their house, not leaving their respective rooms, Mm -hmm. never mind not leaving their respective houses. And here you have the audacity to say that a bunch of underwear, scantily clad people should be rubbing up and dry humping each other for fucking, you know, four hour episodes every single day for you 
your enjoyment. Some things are bigger than the virus, Michael. <laughs> uh, have you seen any of these shows? I used to watch Top Chef. I used, to too. <laughs> I, I used to, too. I used to, too. It's very bingeable. Nailed it. I, I, for, I know Nicole Byers uh, hosted on Netflix. People talk very highly about it, and people are, find it very, very funny. I don't understand the appeal of The Masked Singer at all. I, I think if you've watched a lot of sane shows, maybe you know voices really well. Or I mean, I guess if you're a musical junkie and you've watched every musical in the world and you know people's voices, then you can actually guess who's singing what. Like for me, it's just like, oh, it's whomever. And right. I was like, great. I don't. Right. That's like I, Ken I John that. guessing that it's a Vanilla Ice every episode. You know? But yeah, I couldn't have guessed that in a hundred trillion years under pain of death. <laughs> You know, I just no chance. All right, next category, Mike. <laughs> we have best actor in a limited series or television movie. We have Jeremy Irons from Watchmen. A lot of nudity in that movie, <laughs> our TV series. Hugh Jackman in Bad Education. Thankfully, not a lot of nudity in that TV series. <laughs> Paul Mescal from Normal People. A lot of nudity. <laughs> Jeremy Pope from Hollywood. I'm guessing a lot of nudity. I haven't watched it yet. Mm -hmm. And Mark Ruffalo uh, from I Know This Much Is True. He plays a fat version of himself. He plays a skinny version of himself. Only nudity in that show. We can only pray there was enough nudity of Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> and I, I did not watch I Know This Much Is True. I know it got a lot of hype and it got a big advertising push from HBO. Did you watch it or not? No, I haven't watched yeah, it yet. I just I don't like twin. I don't like twins. I guess I should say clearly and not try to backtrack from it and just offend people out there and lean into that <laughs> offense. No, I don't like identical twins played by the same actor in movies. I, I think that's kind of a you know cheap stunt at times. It's so just the like Parent a, Trap by Lindsay Lohan. How did you take it? Were you a fan? Yeah, Parent Trap is a guilty pleasure though. I, I like the original <laughs> version. I don't know, man. I just there's some shows that just bothers me. I, I was gonna go in for normal people, then I saw like it was a lot of nudity, so I, I said no. Um, <laughs> so surprisingly, I watched Bad Education. I didn't love Watchmen, even though I loved the first four episodes. Oh, what really? a shock! Uh, David Lindelof show. I love the beginning. Yeah. I dislike the end. What a <laughs> shocking surprise! <laughs> it failed to stick the ending. Who saw that coming? <laughs> I've only seen Bad Education out of these nominated ones, so I have nothing to, to base this off of other than to say Bad Education was really, really good and probably should have been a cinematic feature more so than a made-for-TV movie. And apparently the other like major TV movie that we reviewed this year on a MMOW anyway, the El Camino, Aaron Paul was supposed to be in the middle of this, according to Feinberg, and he got upset by uh, Jeremy Pope from Hollywood just on the outskirts looking in so that's a fun surprise for a young actor getting a big nomination there yeah and especially surprising considering what I've I, I don't know about you very mixed reviews for Hollywood from what I've seen and what I've read across the board so good for Jeremy Pope I gotta get into it though I think it's based on that documentary that was a tough watch but maybe I, I just don't know what I'm talking about because this is TV mm -hmm. and I should keep saying that every segment we should have a slogan where it's not TV it's MMO uh, best Actress in a Limited Series of Television Movies. Take that dad joke for all it's worth. Kate Blanchett from Mrs. America. Shira Haas in Unorthodox. Regina King for Watchmen. Octavia Spencer in Self-Made. And Carrie Washington for her role in Little Fires Everywhere. 
So great actresses in this category. Carrie Washington, Spencer King, Blanchett. My God, Shira Haas is a newcomer from Unorthodox, and I almost turned that on like 15 different times on Netflix. Just never took the dive. Kate Blanchett is great in Mrs. America. That's no surprise. Regina King is acting behind a mask uh, from much of Watchmen. And so she got a be, lot of love for her role in there. That'll be interesting if she pulls through. Uh, but this category had some shocking omissions, at least for me, and according to last year's Golden Globes, Mike, I mean, mm-hmm. Caitlin Dever and Merritt Weaver were both nominated at the Globes. Neither one gets in here for unbelievable, and I gotta say, I know Merritt Weaver is an understated performance as this Stone Cold cop. All right, maybe I get that one, but the kid is going off. Caitlin Dever, my goodness, what a mature performance she gave, and I just, I thought that was one of the best things I watched all year. So I'm shocked that she didn't get in here. Yeah, and it's especially surprising because I guess my first instinct would have been to say, well, maybe they think she has a lot of time. She's so young compared to the field. But Shira Haas from Unorthodox is not an elder statesman. She's not a veteran actress like, say, a Regina King or an Octavia Spencer. She hasn't been winning all these awards already in her career where this could be like a respect-type vote. Where So it's a little surprising, you're right, especially because... Everybody has had nothing but amazing things to say about uh, Caitlin Dever's work in that. And she's already been recognized in other areas of Hollywood. She's already got a, a couple big nominations on her resume for other things outside of just that series on Netflix. So maybe the most surprising shock, at least from where I sit, uh, as somebody who doesn't follow this that closely. Well, according to Feinberg, just pulling this up here, we had, he had Blanchett King, Weaver, Dever, Washington. So that means, oh boy, Shira Haas and his major threats. And then he had... Octavia Spencer. Nowhere. Nowhere. He, he didn't, wow. He, maybe he didn't know if she was going to be eligible but uh, for self-made or maybe self-made. I mean, because it's the only time self-made is mentioned anywhere. Right. So that, that that was a surprise. But you can't count out Octavia Spencer yeah. when there is a, an award show. Yep. Mr. Feinberg should know that. <laughs> How dare I criticism, though? How, criticize him. How dare I? Like, yeah, you'll be, is, you'll be smited in your sleep. That is the court that. jesters talking <laughs> shit during the war, in the war room of all places. Why am I allowed in the war room? But I got into the war room and I talked some shit against the king and I should be murdered. You really mixed a couple analogies there and just kept going with it. And I appreciate that. Good job by you. (laughs) Not a good writer, folks. Can't sell for shit. Mike, best limited series as we get down to the last three categories. We have Little Fires Everywhere from Hulu, Mrs. America from FX and Hulu, Unbelievable from Netflix, Unorthodox from Netflix, Watchmen from HBO. So the obvious exclamation is, how the hell do you nominate Unbelievable here amongst this group of shows if the two lead performances that carried the fucking thing weren't left out of the best lead actress category? It doesn't help Unbelievable at no. all because you got some prestigious properties with some huge names, Oscar-winning names, and these other major uh, star-driven projects like Mrs. America, Watchmen, Little Fires Everywhere. Uh, you know, Unorthodox would be the upset pick of all upset pick, no, no doubt about it, because that, that's that's a show that's been trailblazing and and Netflix, you know, obviously Netflix can handle a double campaign for this category like they've done in. in Mm-hmm. In most of these categories because they're they're the number one right now but i do think unbelievable is hurting uh, after that's double snubbing in best actress i don't know how you can think otherwise and i'll also say it seems like the television academy has a preference for the star driven miniseries slash shows despite how there may be 
reviewed by critics. Maybe they go for the more broadly appealing type things driven by the star power because it seems like the morning show did very well despite its uh, critical praise. It seems like Little Fires Everywhere did incredibly well despite its relatively polarizing praise that I've seen. Uh, Mm. I've seen people on both sides of the aisle for that, but both of those shows are on streaming services. They both have huge lead star attraction quality type names driving them and they end up nominated in multiple categories. Well, Mrs. America and Watchmen, I know, they speak to the times uh, by also being weirdly historical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're you know, crowd-pleasing in many ways. I don't know about Unorthodox or Little Fires Everywhere. Unbelievable is a tough set. I mean, it's about, it's about rape. It's about a serial rapist and hunting him down as, as law enforcement. It's not an easy watch. It's probably not something everybody is binging right now during quarantine i wonder if in this year would chernobyl be the juggernaut it was last Mm. year maybe maybe chernobyl was just so good that it still would have won or at least have been nominated this year but i am surprised that unbelievable is not this year's chernobyl in terms of quality really am yeah look based on again i haven't seen it yet you've recommended it to me i do plan on taking the dive into that and the morning show based on everything i have read about it it's very surprising the way Unbelievable was treated amongst the uh, the Emmy nominees tonight. High five to me, by the way, for keep referring to the Emmys as the Emmys because I keep wanting to call them Grammys the whole episode. <laughs> Why? Did you have a grandmother named Grammy? I do, and I would, but you shouldn't. No, I don't. Did I, you have a grandmother know. named Emmy? I, well, it's just I, don't, I, I want to call them the Grammys. I don't know why. <laughs> Anyway, what the hell was I going to say about Unbelievable? It's Unbelievable, Unbelievable got treated the way it did, huh? huh? Sure. I'll yeah. Remember what I, I'll remember my point ten minutes ago, even though we double took it and I for, forgot to say it. But the magic of editing, this episode's going to be fun for you in the editing chair. Anyway, best comedy series, Mike, Curb Your Enthusiasm from HBO, Dead to Me from Netflix, The Good Place from NBC, apparently, wherever that is, Insecure from HBO, Uh, The Kaminsky Method from Netflix, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel from Amazon, Schitt's Creek from Pop. Where the hell is Pop? Is that a cable channel? (laughs) Pop Pop is the former TV Guide Network. I just learned something. And then finally, What We Do in the Shadows. That's a sentimental pick for me on FX. I like that show. I am shocked. With how the Emmys, that is the Emmys, right? We're not talking about the Grammys. How the Emmys have treated Modern Family, and maybe it was an eligibility window requirement type thing and it missed it, I don't know, but Modern Family ending, I thought it it would have gotten nominated for its final season because it's been such an Emmys favorite throughout its run. That's another show that I love every episode that i watch modern family yeah. and for some reason i haven't just lived in that and binged it like crazy like what's wrong with me it's tough to find it. i think it's only i think it was only on hulu for a while it's been tough because i'm the same way i wanted to binge it because i enjoy every episode i see and nope couldn't find it anyway curb your enthusiasm was pretty great but we'll never win because <laughs> that punchable man's face i think uh schitt's creek and the marvelous mrs Maisel. i would say people have talked about them quite a bit I, I still think Dead to Me might just be a, you know, if you if you have a uh, underdog or, a, you know, a long shot horse, I just wonder if people are watching that show like crazy during quarantine. 
Yeah, it could be. I mean, your guess is as good as anyone else's. I, I, it's interesting. No, it's not, Mike. No, okay, it's, it's not. Your guess means it's, nothing. Uh, it means less it doesn't than me. Mean. In the long run, as a matter of fact. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I can go either way with all these things. Uh, there's a lot of shows. I'm surprised the number of shows. It, it kind of makes for an interesting category that are on their last season. I, I mean, Dead to Me was until it just recently got picked up. So maybe the votes were cast when people thought Dead to Me was going to be finished. The Good Place is in its last season. Shit's Creek is in its last season. Those are the two that if you're going to get a sentimental vote to upset Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which has historically been so strong in the comedy categories, this they could have the right narratives to do so this year. I don't know. Maisel's so good. I yeah. can't imagine another show being better than that. But you never know. I mean, I, we, there's a couple of these that we haven't watched yet. Would you say that this category encapsulates some shows that you may go after first and foremost because for me like insecure i think there's two seasons of that or three I like I, yeah. I, I may do that next kaminsky method was an easy choice for me because i knew it was like eight episode series 25 minute shows i mean that was an easy binge i think i would need to be paid to watch the kaminsky method uh, it has no appeal to me whatsoever. I don't know why. I'm a big fan of Michael Douglas. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I was talking to Andrew about the Kaminsky Method being a show that I thought was about proctologists. It's not. It's about an acting teacher and a, and a longtime Hollywood agent as best friends. And it's a Hollywood show, Mike. Like, you would probably love it. I mean, it's one of those shows that's just like they're going to Musso and Frank's every night. <laughs> Let me tell you my knowledge about that show. You could be lying to me and making this up on the spot, and I would have no idea. So that's how much I know about the Kaminsky Method outside of Michael Douglas. Well, Michael Douglas is in there, <laughs> and he's married. Well, his ex-wife is somebody that you would laugh at. It would, it would be great to, for you to see that God moment. God damn it. But, Are you selling me on the Kaminsky Method right now? You love Once said, Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know. I know. It's getting more appealing with every sentence you say. Um, Insecure is what I would cast my vote for I do want to watch Unbelievable I do want to watch The Morning Show But Insecure is definitely Just because Issa Rae is good at everything I watch her in So I imagine her carrying an entire show would be a delight Then again, soap opera goods delivered and dead to me Like you might go nuts for that I don't think you'd like what we do in the shadows Unless you really have a weirder sense of humor than you let on Or show me I've never, you know, that's that's an eclectic taste I would say but it's uh, the rest of them. I'm 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 thinking uh, thinking you'd go for. All right, we got to do the best drama series to finish up here, Mike. Yeah, this is the big one. So, Better Call Saul from AMC, despite not getting nominated lower in the card, it gets for best dramatic. Now, is that series. the movie theater chain? <laughs> Did I kick this dead horse enough? <laughs> that was such Still a funny. stunning dad joke. <laughs> It stopped me dead in my tracks. Like, <laughs> were you frowning or smiling? My, I can't see my you. why you don't give me video. Blank. My brain totally went blank when you said that. I had no idea what to say or do next. So good job. Because it was so bad, or just you blew a funny fuse. It was just dad. It was like Mwah, dad joke. <laughs> um, the Crown from Netflix is also nominated. The Handmaid's Tale from Hulu. Killing Eve from BBC America. The Mandalorian gets in from Disney Plus. Ozark from Netflix. Stranger Things from Netflix, and rounding out the category is Succession from HBO, which from the little, uh, I was going to call it the Grammys again, the little Emmys punditry I have seen thus far seems to say Succession is in the driver's seat for this category. So this was fun to watch uh, Leslie Jones present. She said, like, I'm going to do this in a dramatic voice, and she hammed it up, and it was really funny. But she couldn't help herself when The Handmaid's Tale came up. She just screamed it. (laughs) 
that was really funny. Anyway, uh, Stranger Things and Killing Eve were not supposed to be here. Westworld and This Is Us got snubbed off of Feinberg's forecast. And I'm surprised to see Stranger Things break through uh, at this point for, for that season of the show, even though I enjoyed it. Then again, I don't know if I enjoyed it. I just kind of consumed it really fast. You just watched Stranger it and Things. Just nodded your head after it was done and went to sleep. Watched like all of it in like one Saturday or something like that. But that's so bingeable. Um, Disney Plus made you wait like week to week, so mm-hmm. that was kind of a fun, you know, episodic experience, an old school episodic experience. I still haven't gone into The Handmaid's Tale. I read the book though this past year. And the book made me, like, confirm that I don't want to go into The Handmaid's Tale because it's just, like, apocalyptic and terrifying. You might like it, though, if you like cult stuff. I, I've considered turning it on a couple times. And Handmaid's Tale, uh, at least season one, did win this category back in 2017. In the last two years, it's been Game of Thrones's, despite how season eight of, Games of Game of Thrones, easy for me to say, was received, it still did win Best Dramatic uh, category, the uh, Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Drama Series on TV. Uh, it did win last year, so we're going to have a new winner this year regardless. The Handmaid's Tale, to me, has the same kind of resume for this show that I would say Unbelievable has, and the same chances. Like, where's Elizabeth Moss if that's going to be such a threat? Yeah, but like you said earlier to start, like, Succession is the odds-on favorite according to forecasts, according to most of the punditry. So it might be everybody else, you know, scrapping for second uh, in this particular year. They're gonna have, they may have to wait until Succession is, you know, uh, in that category where people don't think they should award it anymore. Because I wonder if you get that with the Emmys. Like, here's stupid question time because I got a bunch of stupid questions. Okay. But stupid question number one is, do the Emmys just not give a show an award one year? The same way the sports would not give this MVP to a, you know, the same player yeah. every year, even though you know LeBron or Michael Jordan is probably the best player every year, every yeah. single year. Is there a voter fatigue? Is well, yeah. I mean, I think that's a that's a prevalent question, and I think I, I think that's not as dumb as you think it is, Michael. I think that's a very smart question that we should uh, research if we ever do fully adapt Mike Mike and Emmy. Well, most of us have attention spans that aren't as you know long as as yours might be for just clicking one channel and then I'm sorry, clicking what'd another you say? channel, yeah. and then clicking a third <laughs> channel, and then a fourth, and then a fifth. Do you go or do you go by the guide? Have you? Uh... I do. I do both. I like to. I like to mix it up. You know. Look at you living dangerously, being yeah. more efficient these days. Nobody, nobody knows how to live on the edge. Like, like you're Mike multitasking, <laughs> multitasking, getting after what you want faster. Um, as far as this category, I know we asked uh, just on our Twitter. We asked our fans which season they enjoyed more between Ozark season three and Succession season two. Succession one out there too, even though it was a much smaller sample size. Obviously, it's going to be tough to to knock Succession off, I would think. But, man, if Ozark wins, I'd be very, very happy. So I'm glad. So Ozark is that good. It's that good of a show. You would recommend that I would enjoy it? Or is it like a painful watch? Is it like Breaking Bad level good in terms of, you know, the cause the oh shit factor? Because basically you're saying that every episode, right? I mean, how things go wrong. It's a Murphy's Law show. It's an incredibly well-written show. And mm-hmm. it, 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 the anxiety inducement... It's not like Nolan-esque. It doesn't have you at the edge of your seat at all times. But when it does, man, are you dangling by a thread. And there's some... They end some episodes and you're just 
literally sitting there watching the credits and stunned silence being like, how the hell is the Bird family getting out of this? And wow. the way they do get out of it is, it's incre- a very, very well-written show. Well-directed, well-shot. Ozark is, is top-tier quality television. Because The Crown is very episodic, and what worked so well Crown Season 2 is there was such a through-line of the romance for the characters, the, for the king and queen, mm-hmm. that uh, that really drove the narrative forward episode to episode, and it was an easy binge. This last season with Olivia Coleman was just kind of, all right, here's one major event, here's the next major event, and we don't really get to see, or we don't have that hook that, that we had previously with a, with a through line, Killing Eve is a show that I'm kind of interested in clicking on. I've been for a while because I think it's like serial killer versus something. You know, one one's a killer, and and then I don't know who's killing Eve. I don't know if one Eve is a serial murderer. We got to watch that show. Bottom line, that was top tier analysis right there. Those last couple sentences. <laughs> uh, is the Crown just basically Forrest Gump? No. No, it's not. It's, it's not just the historic events that uh, that this queen lived through, and just every, every episode is a new one. It's so you're basically trying to make me admit that it's it's a forest because there's history in it. Yeah, and that's you're right. basically you're basically just snotting off oh, yeah. to your teacher, mm-hmm. your history teacher at the back of the class, saying, <laughs> yeah. "What do I need this for?" I'm going to ruin Olivia Coleman's career if it's the last fucking. No, I, I, I'm asking sincerely. <laughs> but I just want to know because I don't think it's a show that will I'll ever dive into unless we do something with it for this show so i'm just wondering about the premise of it outside of it's about a queen how often do you drink tea <laughs> no it's a serious question serious question uh uh, uh once a week uh, no you're not ready for the queen. <laughs> okay good to know what a barometer <laughs> tv punditry with the best of them, <laughs> that's like, probably like an yeah. Emmy. That's the best question. That's it. If you need a question to summarize this entire episode, that's it. And I think that's a great job and a great note to end on. So and the we, winner is the Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, obviously, we want to know your thoughts about these nominations, and specifically, honestly, to help Mike and I out. You know if you've listened to us long enough what shows we have watched. Which of the shows that we haven't gotten to should we first? Is there one of these shows that were nominated or even snubbed that you are kind of outraged out and you demand that we get to? Let us know. Uh, we're always looking for new stuff to watch, especially being trapped and locked down here in lockdown. Uh, you can leave us those as well as any other comments, questions, concerns, etc. You may have about anything we do here in the MMO franchise. Uh, you can leave us all of that. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. At MM and Oscar. Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, and if you yourself are still in lockdown and letting us kill a couple hours per week for you, hopefully we are doing so in an entertaining fashion. If we're not, look, man, we're trying. But anyway, <laughs> if you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would truly, truly help us out a ton. Michael, uh, say some words of wisdom for the nice people and tell them what's coming next from us. It's wise to perhaps check your audio levels for, for longer. I don't know if we committed to that. I'm so sorry if this is unlistenable. I can't hear it in my headphone. So if it's bad, my, apologies, people. I hope not. I hope not because this was a lot of fun. But uh, in terms of some words of wisdom, you know, this is what we're trying to do during quarantine. We're trying to have some fun 
And uh, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Mike, we're booking guests. Yeah. And we're, we're excited for the month of August. Uh, we got at least a couple guests coming on. Uh, we're going to do another Oscar Olympics, which was so much fun the first time. And our fans really turned out for the last yeah, four did. years. The latest Olympiad, the 23rd Olympiad. So we're going to go back to 2011 through 2015 or however you want to categorize it but the you know four years before that and uh i'm gonna basically take another day and not watch a more because (laughs) i have been procrastinating with that movie forever i know it's just a shame from the dereliction of duties on my part not to see that film but she vacuums for the first 10 minutes i've shut it off twice now let's see (laughs) if i can not watch it for another day before i think we're going to try to record tomorrow we said or maybe maybe to the next day yeah so that that's going to be interesting to see if i actually commit to to buying it and watching it otherwise mike we got a james bond character study another episode where it's starting to turn up where we're starting to like those movies with daniel craig and uh, I think it started to turn up for us a little while back. We caught a couple bonds, even though we gave him some tough love and his character a lot of tough love early on. Yeah. Because that character was a son of a bitch. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was going to say rightfully so, tough love. Justified tough love. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's been, it's been quite a series. We've got a lot of funny... Uh, goofy uh segments that are based on dad jokes and puns so if you you like what you had here just you wait (laughs) i would say we have that market fairly cornered in terms of the film and screen punditry so (laughs) guys like we say here when reality sucks you can come watch these award shows these movies and hopefully share some laughs with us we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon see you